It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 1st of August. Tony Jones rejoins us to talk about Dante Exum and his contract, his role in the season, plus Grayson Allen, Ricky Rubio, and more on the guards all coming up on the show. Are the Jazz or the Thunder the biggest threat to the Rockets? And some good Facebook group conversation. All coming up on Locked On Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Jazz NBA insider, this is Locked on Jazz. Follow Locked on Jazz for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. And remember, you can tell your smart speakers to play the podcast Locked on Jazz. All right. um, Let's dig in a few different conversation pieces. And then Tony Jones rejoins us. Thanks for the response to day one of Tony Jones, and I'll post another podcast for you tomorrow. So to this week, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, I think we'll do that next week and probably do a live show on next. Oh, well, we won't because I'm out of town. We'll figure it out. Uh, we'll get a live show in somewhere next week, uh, maybe on Tuesday. We'll do it a little differently. All right, hey, I've, uh, interesting conversation of, uh, of, you know, if the Rockets have really slipped, and I haven't run my numbers yet, but it sure feels like it with Harden, Paul still there, but the Carmelo addition is a negative. The loss of Trevor Reza, uh, Luke Bamute leaving, which I think is a is a you know they got through the playoffs uh, without him. He just wasn't right, and so I think people have forgotten the value he had during the regular season. Uh, but at least from you know the way I the numbers I've looked at and other aspects to them, their defensive prowess was largely based on what he was able to bring them and playing kind of both. The, at the four, switching, their whole switching schemes. The, the problem with having, you know, Harden's not a great defender, but he's not as bad as everyone says. When you look at them last year, they didn't have a truly bad defender other than Ryan Anderson, and then they didn't play Ryan Anderson for the postseason. He played 66 regular season games and played 26 minutes a game, but they didn't use him a great deal, and then the rest of their guys weren't bad defenders. They Carmelo's a is a bad defensive player. They have a bad defensive player that now when you're switching, you can go get. What Bamute was was the one player where their defense really spiked when he was on the floor. So I think that's a significant uh, drop. The the number on Bamute when he was on the floor was a 101.2 and uh, 106 when he was off. The other one is Nene, and we'll see whether he can last at that level. But otherwise, their defense was just solidly good unless Ryan Anderson was on the floor, and to back that up on the Rockets. So here you had one bad defender on the whole team last year, and Ryan Anderson, and when he was on the floor, their defensive rating was a 106.5, and their offensive rating was a 101.6. As great as the switching defense of the Rockets is, if you have a bad defender on the floor, and you know they're switching everything, you can just go get him. And they're going to now have that with Carmelo. So they, I think they're going to slip. So if they do slip, then the question is, who's most pro- available to go get them? And I haven't run my numbers. I'll, I, I'll, we're getting close. I usually run them right in September. So um, maybe I'll try to do it a little earlier. I'm getting antsy and kind of wondering myself. And the question is, is it Utah or is it Oklahoma City? Is it Portland? 
They were also bunched together. Portland did not have a great offseason losing Ed Davis. The question to me on the Thunder is last year they were the 10th-ranked offense and the 10th-ranked defense. Their defense without Carmelo, I think, gets substantially better. And then their offense without Carmelo actually might get substantially better also. Their offense last year, in a year in which Russell Westbrook was really not very good, like I think that's not something that's been discussed enough, is that Russell Westbrook was bad last year. Incredibly inefficient. Did not have a good year at all. Uh, was not the MVP, Russ. Was trying to figure out how he and Paul George meshed the whole time. and at the same time getting Carmelo in, and it wasn't until about halfway through the season when Russ just decided to take over and go back to being Russ that the Thunder clicked in. I I think that, at least my instinct, and I haven't run any of my numbers, is that the Thunder are the team that I probably put ahead of Utah as the team to go get Houston, only because I think Russ has a better year next year with efficiency-wise. Carmelo comes off the floor for them last year. Their defensive rating with Carmelo on the floor was three points per 100 possession, worse than it was when he was on the floor. Andre Robertson defense was a 96.4 when he was on and a 107.6 when he was off. And now he'll be back. Uh, their other moves are subtle and okay. I don't really like Dennis Schroeder, but they probably can minimize his impact. Um, and... Corey Brewer was not a good, you know, Corey Brewer was kind of a disaster filling in for Andre Robertson. So on that kind of ongoing conversation, if Houston slips, I do see the two teams as the Thunder and the Jazz as the teams that are possibly knocking on that door. And before I run numbers and do any of that stuff, my instinct is just kind of looking at it, the Jazz, the the Thunder were 10th offensively and 10th defensively. My guess is they finish about, and we'll see what my numbers say, 7th offensively and 5th defensively. Whereas the Jazz, I think, will probably be about 14th offensively and 1st defensively. And so those are those are pretty close, but I think that puts the Thunder just a notch ahead of them. I'm not sure if that's true. Uh, good piece in the Deseret News about Donovan and his offseason and what he's been doing. And I go back to an interview I did with Donovan and the year star. We didn't really know him. And he said, the biggest problem I have is every time I go to a city, I want to go see stuff and go do things. And I don't want to just sit still in the hotel room, but everyone tells me I've got to rest. And this, I think that's going to be my biggest problem, which I think his, he's proving that to be true with his off season. The kid just doesn't sit still. And it's great. He just got back with his mom and his sister from Shanghai, where he was put on the, uh, NBA 2K Online 2 video game Chinese uh, cover. These are big moments, too, by the way, because what it means is that Donovan's stardom is not being restricted by being in Utah. And I think that's a really, really important note. It's, Durant didn't need to go to Golden State to get famous. He just needed to go to Golden State to win. and so Or to get out of Oklahoma City. Donovan does not is not going to have to leave Utah to get famous. His, in fact, the opposite might turn out to be true for him. That Utah becomes his sanctuary, where he 
is able to stay away from the crowds and have some peace, whereas when he is traveling all across the world and thinks he's that big a star if he continues to play. Um, good article. Nice job by Jody. Talked about altering his diet a little bit, getting ready. He did say he's keeping, uh, staying easy on that foot, so that's worth probably keeping a little bit of an eye on. Um, and he said he's eating a little bit better. Uh, he'll be a better player next year just because that's what happens when you're in your second year uh, in the league. And that's just maybe the most exciting thing about anything that's going on with him. Uh, today's show is brought to you in part by the store. This is becoming a very big debate. We are going to have to have a uh, poll question on the Locked On Jazz Facebook group. And that is... Um, whether or not what I think is true, which is that the mudslide cookie is better than all the other cookies, is true. Uh, stores got locally grown Schmidt fresh corn on the cob right now. They got a nice Kavita special going on. Uh, all sorts. The whole local area there, there is so great when you walk in off to the left hand side uh, with the various local companies. And then don't forget Cottonwood Ace also with the Traeger wood fired grills. They have the entire Traeger. Set up basically showroom for you, and then great deal on all of the special pricing on the 20 bag pellets. So, if you want the mesquite flavor, the hickory, the maple, the pecan, the cherry, uh, the oak, they're all there. The apple uh, that's over at the Cottonwood Ace that's right next door to the store, 6200 South and or 20th East. Uh, stop by in holiday, uh, on holiday, South Holiday Drive. It's really 6200 South and, um, 20th East, which is Highland Drive. Uh, it's right there. It's the store. Enjoy it. Stop by. Get your mudslide cookie. And then if you want to sample any others, let me know what you think is better. Tony Jones comes up next talking Dante Exum and the contract and his role with the team. And then part two of the conversation, Grayson Allen and Ricky Rubio. Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking. Multiple trips to the grocery store, hours of monotonous meal prep just so you can scarf down your food in minutes. So when it's dinner time, I grab my phone, open up an app, and order something. But after convenience fees, delivery fees, and who knows whatever other fees, it ends up being close to $100 for two people. But then I met Freshly. Just put up your feet and relax while Freshly chefs and nutritionists do all the hard work. All you do is heat for three minutes and dinner's done. Imagine a better for you golden oven fried chicken, steak peppercorn with sauteed carrots and French green beans, and my personal favorite, buffalo chicken with loaded mashed cauliflower. It's got fewer carbs. That's just a few of the 30-plus health-conscious options to choose from. Freshly understands that food needs to be delicious, healthy, and simple, because let's be honest here, if it's not easy, I'm not going to do it, and if it doesn't taste good, I don't want to eat it. Freshly is offering our listeners $40 off, $40 off for their first two orders at Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's Freshly.com slash LockedOnNBA. Back with our second day of Tony Jones, because he's just that nice. All right, so what's your thought on the three-year, $33 million deal for, for Dante Exum? I will, I'm going to, I, I actually kind of love it, uh, but I don't want to give away why until after you've answered. What's, what's your thought on the Dante Exum deal? Well, I really like it because, um, I think, here's what I think about Dante. I think that Dante is, a guy who has a competitive fire within 
And I think that I think that this guy wants to get better. He wants to improve, and he wants to be good. And I think that he's going to work to be good. Um, I think that uh, $11 million for a backup point guard seems a lot, but guess what? Dante Exum right now, today, is an elite perimeter defender in the NBA. And those elite perimeter defenders in the NBA right now are worth $11 million a year. And this is if Dante doesn't, if, if Dante doesn't make one improvement. Um, and he has such a ceiling for improvement. Um, and I, he works hard enough that I think the, that he's going to improve. Uh, the only question that I have is if he's going to stay healthy. Um, that's my major question. If he does stay healthy, I am, I am actually pretty confident that he will either play up to or outplay the contract. So I'll, I'll, let me share uh, my joke all off season. I don't know if you heard it was if I had been in the jazz meetings and so, and they, the conversation turned to Dante X and I like, I would have had stomach problems. Like immediately had to leave the room every time. Cause I don't have any idea. I really don't. I'm not sure I've ever been around a player for four years where if you ask me what he's going to be like in three years, I don't actually have an answer. It could be the range is so wide and I have no definitive belief on where it is. And that's not to his fault. It's to the injuries and the lack of experience before he got in the league. So that there's still so many different things that could take place. Now, with that said... Every reason he was drafted fifth is still blatantly obvious, right? You watch him for five minutes, and he jumps off the screen. It's clear the speed, the length, the defense, all of those things are completely obvious. So if you're going to re-sign him, uh, the point is you've got to re-sign him for three years with no outs. Because what you're doing is you're still committing to the fact that the reason you drafted him fifth you believe in, and you believe in him, you don't want to give him a one- or two-year deal. And then have him leave. You want you you're still believe. If you still believe, believe. And I just love the fact that there was a consistency in the decision making by the front office. I don't know if they're right, and I'm not sure in this league when you're dealing with humans, you actually know if you're right. I just like when there's a structure, a system, and a belief pattern to what's making you make your decisions. Well, I think that there are a couple of things with Dante that that really endeared him to the Jazz. I think that the way he worked uh, to get back from his shoulder surgery. Um, I, I think that was really endearing to the Jazz. I mean, he was really competitive um, in his in his rehabilitation, uh, and he, you know, set a goal. The first thing that, that Dante said was, "Hey, I'm, this is not going to take me out for the rest of the season." And he set a goal to get back, and he and he got back. I mean, truthfully, I mean, he came back. You know, in mid March, I think he probably could have come back. You know, two three weeks before that. Um, you know, I don't know if you agree with that, but I, I'm just saying, just in my opinion, um, and I think I think the Jazz actually slowed him down a little bit. Um, you know, and 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 I think the second thing is I think that you know uh, I think the Jazz see the way the way he works. I mean, he he worked uh, last summer, and I think that he came back a better player. Now, obviously, the shoulder came, uh, the shoulder popped up, um, for lack of a better term. Um, and, and, and that was an unfortunate, uh, deterrence for him. Um, but, you know, and I, I think that the, the way he works 
uh, in the way he worked during the offseason, uh, the way he responded to uh, before last season, that exit interview where Dennis, really, Dennis and Quinn were really difficult on him, promised him nothing, uh, and he and he responded. Uh, he basically did, you know, the exact opposite of of, of what Rodney Hood did. You know, where, where Rodney kind of hung his head and and really didn't meet the challenge the, the challenge um, of 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 internal competition. You know, Dante Exum said, you know what, I don't care that the Jazz traded for Ricky Rubio. I'm still uh, going to go into this thinking that I, I'm I'm the starter and I'm good enough to be the starter. And you want that uh, as as a coach and as a GM. You want a guy who who doesn't care uh, what, what happens with the roster around him. He's going to go out and he's going to control what he controls what he can control. And I think that Dante did that. Had he not gotten hurt, uh, I think that he would have had uh, a pretty major role uh, last year. And I think that uh, if he stays healthy, I think that he's going to work his way back uh, into that, to that role this year. I mean, if we remember coming out of training camp before he got hurt, Quinn had this great kind of feeling about Dante and Donovan together is this second unit speed unit, right? Um, yeah. Now a lot of things changed between then. Um, on all of that, so it'll be interesting to see. I've made this up in my head. I've I've had nobody tell me this. Um, I've actually talked to very few people this offseason. I think they're tired of me. Um, <laughs> but I, I've made this up in my head that I think Dante plays the two and the three this year. That Rubio plays 30-whatever minutes, 31 minutes at point guard, and that the other 17 are split between Grayson and Donovan and Dante and Joe in this kind of conglomerate of guys who can handle the ball. And that Dante actually plays as much two or three this year as he does one. Do you buy that at all? Well, I think he's going to play a lot of one. I, I think he'll play. I think he'll play a lot of one and two. Um, I, I don't. I mean, you know, you could say I can say that I don't see him playing three, but at the same time, I mean, I you know, I, I can definitely see Quinn playing uh, Dante Royce and and Donovan together or Dante Grayson and Donovan together. Um, you know, I think, I think that's the beauty of what Quinn has as, at his disposal this year. There's a lot of combinations that he can play. And, um, you know, and I think that there's a lot of ways that he can go. Um, this team is going to be really versatile. I mean, it can go big. It can go really, it can go really big. It can go really small. Uh, it can go really fast. I mean, it can. It's 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 an elastic rubber band of a rotation that can that can bend a lot of different directions, um, um, and match up with a lot of uh, different lineups that that today's NBA dictate uh, that you'll see around the league. I, let me just make sure people understand one of the things. One is I actually think that Grayson and Donovan might be more comfortable with the ball in their hand. The other one is, I think, uh, as a backside option, early action happens, defense shifts, swing to Dante. He has an advantage when he gets the ball with one step. He's gone. Like, that's that's Dante at his best, right? Maybe rather yeah. than working from the top, Dante working from a wing where somebody else has run a pick and roll on the side or had some weak side action. They've shifted over. They're coming back to Dante, and he uses his speed and length and gets on top of the cup. That's that's Dante at his best. 
Well, I think you, but the, you know, to, to add a counterpoint, I think you want Dante at the top because I think that he's yet to prove that he's a shooter. And I, I don't want, I don't want that weak side guy sloughing off in the lane, uh, impeding, you know, impeding Donovan's, uh, uh, Donovan's way to the basket. So, you know, I, I want a lot of, if, if Dante and Donovan are on the floor, I want Dante starting off making the initial read because I don't want his man in Donovan's lap, uh, or at least until Dante can prove that he can um, be a 35% three-point shooter or a 36 or 37% or whatever, um, at least until he can prove that he can make that shot. He's Tony Jones, Salt Lake Tribune. Topics on the next part of our conversation. Grayson Allen and his second half, Ricky Rubio, the Ru- Ricky Rubio he get, plus a great story about how Quinn got Ricky going. That's all coming up more with Tony Jones. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai. Murdoch Hyundai, 4646 South State Street. I have driven the almost the entire lineup of Hyundais, and they it's just a great brand. We bought the Santa Fe, actually, for my son, who got his driver's license today, uh, which is this car we found that we had the best safety features at the best price and big enough, and frankly, we'll use it all as a family because we got the third row seats, so we still maintain that. Uh, we got the Murdoch guarantee of car washes for life, safety inspection for life. Uh, we didn't use our five-day price match guarantee, but check it out at 4646 South State Street. If you're looking for a hybrid, don't automatically go Prius. Take a look and compare what you might do uh, with the Ionic. Uh, I drove the Ionic, was very impressed by it. Love that. Uh, the Kona is the new version of their Subaru Crosstrack. Has all the safety features on it. Fun, small, zippy SUV. And then obviously there's the Tucson and the Santa Fe. I haven't even mentioned uh, the Elantra or the Sonata, which are their sedans. Uh, just every time I've gotten into one of these, I've been super impressed uh, by what they bring, what you get for the dollar value. 4646 South State Street. It's Murdoch Hyundai. Hi, this is Nate Duncan from Locked On's Hollinger and Duncan podcast. Those of you who listen to our show know that I try to take a measured approach. I'm not prone to hyperbole. It really takes something special to get me excited. But with all that said, Theragun is simply one of the best products that I have ever used. I just turned 40. I've always loved to work out, to play basketball when it's safe. And as I got into my 30s, it just wasn't possible to do that anymore the way I wanted to because my body didn't feel right. And Theragun has helped me fix so many of the aches and pains. I tried everything, massages, chiropractors, this at-home device, handheld percussive therapy has worked better than any of those for me. And now the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor. It's so quiet. It's no louder than an electric toothbrush. And best of all, you can try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. There's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need starts at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network right now, and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on. Theragun.com slash locked on. Uh, what is your impression of Grayson Allen? He is another guy in the, in, in the jazz backcourt who can dribble, pass, and shoot. And 
guess what? That sounds really rudimentary and really elementary, uh, especially of an NBA player, but it is not. Um, you know, and, and I think that this team is full of people on the backcourt who can dribble, pass, and shoot. Um, with the, the notable exceptions right now being Don, uh, Dante Axum, because he doesn't really have the shooting part down, um, and, you know, possibly Alec Burks, because uh, he doesn't have the passing or the shooting part down. But, you know, if you look at Grayson Allen, you look at Donovan Mitchell, you look at Ricky Rubio, you look at uh, Royce O'Neal um, to a lesser extent, you look at Joe Ingles, all five of those guys uh, can 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 initiate pick and roll. All five of those guys can spot up and shoot uh, three. All all five of those guys can get into the lane uh, and do things off the dribble. Uh, and it was funny because at this time last year, I think that there was major concern of where this offense was going to come from, where the offense was going to come from. How was this team going to score? How was this team going to generate offense? And now, a year later, I look at this team as a really versatile offensive team because there are so many guys in this system uh, who can do things with advantage basketball. And and I think that uh, the Jazz right now offensively are pretty unique, and I think that I think that they have a chance. Um, I, I'll say it right now. I think they have a chance to be one of the better offenses in the league. Interesting. Interesting. One of my notes I had for you is what what offensive changes and where do you feel the offense is? So elaborate on that. I mean, you just kind of touched about it. I think it's this whole versatility you're talking about. But um, all right, I'm going to play devil's advocate. They were, what, middle of the pack last year. They didn't change anyone. They're still playing two bigs, which their offense wasn't as good when they had two bigs on the floor. I'm just trying to think of reasons why I'm countering you. I'm making this up as I go. Um, their best corner three shooter is Jarebko. He's gone. I'm, I'm begging a little bit here. Um, so with those not very good arguments, um, why is it that you feel that they're – I mean, when you say they're going to be one of the best offenses, what are you saying? Like, where do you rank that? Tenth? Well, I didn't say best. I said better. Better. Did okay. I say best or better? I don't know. Are you saying fifth, tenth, fifteenth? Where do you think they're going to be? I mean, I think they can be, you know, ten to twelve. If they were, where were they? Fourteenth or fifteenth last yeah. year? Yeah. I mean, and obviously dominant defensively. I mean, so you know, I think that they can be ten to twelve um, um, this year. So you look at where, look at the the. You know, maybe I'm maybe I'm speculating here, but I think that the 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 chance for individual improvement within the offense is is significant. I think Donovan there's a significant chance Donovan is a better basketball player than he was last year. I think there's a significant chance that Royce O'Neal is a better basketball player than he was last year. Same thing with Dante Exum, um, Ricky Rubio, and Jay Crowder. Well, that's a big one. Let, uh, let, let's stop right there. Do you think that's for the first time? In six years, Ricky Rubio will have the same coach when he goes to training camp. Yes, and I think he has a chance to be better. And so, second half of the season, Ricky Rubio. I mean, Ricky Rubio. We've forgotten. Ricky Rubio's opening month was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. Right? It was terrible. The ball was going all over the gym. It was weird. Right? It was like, I mean, I'm calling people in Minnesota. Like, did you ever see this? They're like, no, this is not what we saw. So, Ricky Rubio's second half of the season. Do you think a whole season of that for the Jazz? 
Well, here's the thing, and this is what I'll say. I think Ricky Rubio holds the key to the Jets. If you get Ricky Rubio, the second half of the season, Ricky Rubio, and I've gone back and, and rewatched a lot of, of of the second half of the season, if you get that Ricky Rubio, then this Jazz offense is going to be fine. Whether it be 8th, 10th, 12th, you know, because, I mean, obviously some of these numbers are subjective. I just think it's, it's going to be fine because he was so good in the second half of the season, and he was so good at not only, um, you know, he, he, he protected the basketball. He stopped throwing it all over the gym. But he was so good at, at running the offense in the second half of the season, but he was also so good at making himself a scoring threat. And he did it consistently. That if, if, if that is who he is next season, uh, then this Jazz team is going to be really, really good offensively. And, uh, and obviously – uh, defensively, it's, it's one of the top three defenses in the league, and this Jazz team is going to win a, a, a ton of basketball games. I, I don't know if you've heard this story, but this is this is one of those things where being embedded with a team and being around it, I think, is really fascinating. And you may already know the story, Tony. I'm going to share it with you if you share it with everyone. So the Jazz lose in Atlanta, and the whole season turns the next night when Ingles gets the inbound pass from Rubio, lays it up, they go to overtime, they win, and everything changes. But the whole season really might have changed – in the off day in Detroit. So Quinn Snyder goes to lunch that day, and then whether – I'm assuming Quinn does everything by on purpose. Quinn comes back from lunch and is sitting in the middle of the lobby of the hotel we stay in, a nice old kind of Detroit hotel. And the players have a players' meeting with the players' union that day. As the players are all walking out, Quinn is sitting in the on the couch in front of where all the players are walking out, right by the elevator. About seven players, including Ricky Rubio, are about to board the elevator. And Quinn Snyder says to Ricky Rubio, now if you recall, the night before in Atlanta, Rubio takes like six shots in the first quarter, misses all of them, and Quinn pulls him, right? Yeah. Like the low moment of his career. Uh, his, his, his six previous games are three of 11, one for seven, two for eight, six for 11, three for 11, and one for eight. He's a mess. Snyder says to him in front of all of the main guys, hey, I rewatched the first quarter. All those were good shots. My bad. I shouldn't have taken you out of the game. Shoot him again. The next 31 games, he shoots 46% from the field, 44% from three, and 16 points a game. I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but it's also the next night in Detroit that he gets hit in the face, is bleeding, has stitches, and comes back out to finish the game while some other guys on that team at that moment weren't as invested. And you just wonder, like, is that the essence of what Coach of the Year is right there? That moment on that couch where I'm guessing Quinn knew everyone was walking out, and I'm guessing Quinn knew he was going to make a public apology to Ricky with that, in that manner. I mean, I don't know that, but I'm guessing that Quinn doesn't do anything by accident. Quinn Snyder last year became the first coach of Ricky Rubio's career to empower Ricky offensively. He was the first coach that said, you know what, I don't care that you're missing shots. They shoot the basketball. Um, he was the first coach that said, you know what, you know, if you're on the perimeter, I want you taking that open shot every time. If you remember uh, the second Minnesota game, the first Minnesota game that at Vivint Small Home Arena, um, 
uh, it happened early November, and and that night, I think it was a Monday night, and and Minnesota just absolutely destroyed the Jazz. You could hear Tom Thibodeau's voice um, whenever Ricky Rubio got the ball on the perimeter, and and he was saying, "Leave him, leave him." You know, like the, you know, he was showing like he was showing him very it very little pers- respect. It felt personal, didn't it? It felt very yeah. Personal. It felt. Felt very personal. A lot of disdain there, um, and and I think you know that was a metaphor uh, of sorts for Ricky in the first half of the season. And I think that Ricky had to 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 mentally get over. He had to mentally get over a lot of of what happened with with him with him and Thibodeau in terms of in terms of how Thibodeau wanted him to play, how Thibodeau didn't want him to shoot the basketball. And, you know, I think, you know, without talking to Ricky and without knowing this completely, but I think that, you know, there was, there was a lot of, um, I'm taking these shots, but should I actually be taking these shots from Ricky Rubio? And, you know, over the course of the season, you know, the, the coaching staff had to embed into Ricky, you should be taking these shots. You can make these shots. And if if you look at Ricky Rubio over the second half of the season, he was one of the better point guards um, in the league on both ends because on offensively he started playing with a lot of confidence, and defensively, where he was really bad in the first half of the season, he stopped gambling, he stopped reaching, he started moving his feet, he started staying in front of people, uh, and and he started stopping people. I mean, what Ricky did to Westbrook. Uh, Russell Westbrook in, in those first uh, three or four games. I mean, it, w- it was it was it was terrific in the way he he played Westbrook to a draw and 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 you know and and maybe even outplayed him. I mean, that game three first half, his first half in that game three, uh, won the Jazz that game. Um, he made huge shots in the second half um, of 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 game two. Um, that along with Derek Favors that, that won the Jazz that game. So um, he he really became an intricate part of this team as the season went on. He's Tony Jones. We have so much to talk about. We're going to talk more, and it's going to be on the next edition of Locked on Jazz. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.